This episode is brought to you in part by Zondervan, publisher of The Perilous Fight, Overcoming Our Culture's War on the American Family, written and narrated by retired neurosurgeon and politician Dr. Ben Carson. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Thank you for listening to Prophetic Politics. This is Thabiti Anyabwile. I want to make you aware of something special that's happening and invite you to come. March 5 through 7, 2020, Just Gospel 2020, we'll be having a national conference in Alexandria, Virginia. That's March 5 to 7, 2020, in Alexandria, Virginia, at Delray Baptist Church. Our theme this year is Pilgrim Politics. So if you've been interested to listen to Prophetic Politics, and you've been encouraged by what you've heard in turn, in, in tone, in substance, come to Just Gospel 2020. We're going to be thinking about what it means to be Christians, particularly what it means to be pilgrims who are passing through this world, who have a prophetic political concern for the things that are happening to our neighbors, the things that are happening to our country, uh, and who are trying to think how to bear faithful witness um, in, in, our, in our local situations in our national situations and so on so if you want more of this more of this conversation if you feel like this is an area of discipleship where you want to grow need to grow uh, as i do march 5 to 7 2020 just gospel 2020 pilgrim politics healing conversations about christians and politics in alexandria virginia come to our website justgospelconference.org justgospelconference.org and find more information. We'd love to have you there. Hey, we might even tape an episode of Prophetic Politics and you can join us. God bless you. This is the Prophetic Politics Podcast. I'm Nick Rodriguez. I'm Thabiti Anyabwile. And I'm Ben Brophy. And uh, so it is our last episode of this season, uh, episode ten out of ten. Um, and so <laughs> it feels we'll, like a Netflix series. Yeah, I know, very prestigious. <laughs> like, like a British Netflix. Seven series. episodes per <laughs> season would be the right speed to do. We that. reserve the right to do less later. To be, to <laughs> exactly. Sure. Actually, it, it, a prestige show goes down over time. That's right. <laughs> last season's like six episodes, right? Like the grand finale. So um, anyway, uh, we thought we would uh, take this time to sort of come back to a question that is sort of in the title of our podcast and just ask ourselves, you know, why, why do we care about prophetic politics, the idea of prophetic politics? Um, and so um, I think what I'll do is I'll start with just a couple sort of broad questions. If we think about kind of the, the mission of this podcast, uh, or at least the thing that we do, we think about sort of how to apply biblical principles to kind of major public policy issues of the day, and how should a Christian think about that, sort of reasoning from those biblical principles. Uh, why did we even feel there was a need for that to be a podcast at all? I, I think for me, the first, my first motivation, and I've said this before, but you know it's worth saying again, um, 
is that I wanted to demonstrate that Christians of different political views and different consciences can have these discussions without heat or animosity, even though we're coming from a variety of different positions. So, Nick, you and I may disagree on economic policy, right? But we have far more in common as Christian brothers, even though you're a progressive and I'm a conservative, if we want to use those labels broadly. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to demonstrate how to have these conversations in action. Thabiti, something you said stuck with me, which is like if there is a topic that is off the table for Christians to discuss, like politics, we're kind of losing the ability to dialogue on difficult issues. And so I think this is us practicing that skill uh, in a public way on a difficult issue, politics. I mean, and the Christians are going to face all sorts of difficult conversations. Um, And I think this maybe helps, maybe helps give some of those skills. So that was my initial motivation. Yeah, I I think I sort of fall um, in line with that. I think, I think we desperately need to learn how to talk, Um, especially in places where we have, high passions and high amounts of disagreement, uh, politics being one of them. Um, beneath that, I, I'm convinced that we, we need to bring every area of our thinking and human endeavor beneath the Lordship of Christ. And so the other consequence of not talking about politics if we're Christians and thinking about it, uh, politics very biblically if we're Christians, is is that to the extent that we don't, talk about this and shape each other it is not consistently beneath the rule of christ we're going to be influenced and discipled by other voices and perspectives than the bible we're going to in effect be worldly um in this area rather than um distinctively christian uh and 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 my my sort of proof text for that would be matthew 28 19 20 right we're commanded there to obey jesus to obey everything that he's taught us. Mm. And he's taught us a lot in his word uh, ab- about what politics is meant to be for, which is justice and the good life and flourishing and so on. Mm. So we got to bring that to bear um, as disciples of Christ. And so, um, which, which touches on the, the final thing for me, is I think we have to have these conversations because we really should be people who are motivated by the gospel and the love of God to pursue justice and love of neighbor, right? Uh, so politics for us ought to be um, an expression of loving God mm. and loving neighbor. Um, and if we don't if we don't talk about it and disciple each other in this way, it, it won't be. It will be an exercise in love of tribe and love of self. Or or even so simply as, you know, dividing your faith life and your, your mm-hmm. public political life, which mm-hmm. is not not a real category in the sense that this is all mm-hmm. Christ. This is all the Lord's. So there's nothing that you see that he did not, does not have complete ownership over. And so mm-hmm. for us to make this kind of false dichotomy of like, well, I'm going to put my faith in this box over here and politics over here and never the two shall meet, um, I think is unwise, foolish, you know, throw in your negative word. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll say, it, just to take a real example of that, there's a story I told in our very first episode about kind of being at a church for sort of the first eight years of my relatively young Christian life in which most of the people I was with, um, you know, were were sort of conservative and I was the sort of, you know, lone progressive there. And that those eight years discipled me 
mm-hmm. right? And then just mm-hmm. being willing to kind of be a listener helped me see some things. And I think in moments helped others that I knew see some things too. Mm-hmm. Um, several of those people are listeners to this podcast now, uh, which is nice. Um, I think, uh, so, and, and to zoom out from that, I would say, um, when we, if you think about the nuts and bolts of how we structure every episode, number one, we try to, we try to stay out of the news. Sometimes mm. we can't help ourselves. Right. Yeah. But like we, we sort of are going to talk about something that could be talked about at any point in our current history, as it mm. were. Um, we pick a topic and we try to reason from, for, from sort of like, what is this topic? And so there's a certain explainer quality to my, 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 my little rants at the beginning mm, of every episode about like, great, what's, right, what is this issue, great. et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, uh, I, I think that I think that we deliberately chose that because I remember there's this quote from Michael Ware from like it was like from Twitter years ago. And he just said, I think there's a whole generation of Christians that have grown up not being asked to do their own analysis hmm. of yeah. public policy. Yeah. Sort of the decision rule was whatever these people tell you that's right as it were and so we're not trying to say okay now it's going to be whatever these other people tell you or whatever we tell you mm-hmm. but we are going to try to equip you to think for yourself mm-hmm. so we'll do the sort of explainer bit we'll talk about the cleavages we'll say this is what we think you don't have to believe what we think but here's why we think what we think mm-hmm. and we'll try to do it so to, to quote to quote barack obama in his early days he always talked about disagreeing without being disagreeable uh, i miss that guy Hey, that guy's still there. Um, so, you know, and, and, and to sort of think about that and to do it with that sort of tone. So mm-hmm. I think that that for me has always been kind of the mission statement for us. And then the idea of like reasoning together um, and, and sort of hopefully inviting others into that conversation over time as well. Well, I think it's important that we've been trying to do that without caricature. Right, we've been trying to do that, uh, giving good faith arguments for the various quote unquote sides or perspectives on a given issue. Um, and so I think the extent to which we can model, let's go back to conversation, right? We can model uh, representing others well um, and uh, representing their positions forcefully mm. as we then go on to sort of articulate our own. I mean, the extent to which we can model that. Yeah. I think my prayer and hope is that it helps conversation. To go back to our earlier two episodes ago, to model a certain epistemic humility mm-hmm. about whether we're right, yeah. for crying out loud. Well, and right? so like, right. yeah. if there's people out there listening to this podcast and they're like, oh, you're missing it, you're not getting this or that, or you're missing this biblical passage, like, that's good. Mm-hmm. I want you to chew on this and, and look to the scriptures and be like, you're missing this, you're missing that. That's good. It's okay that if, if you have a different perspective and you're thinking through that biblically, I love it. I, Asterisk, I want more of it. That's how Ben ended up on the podcast. That's, right. that's exactly right. <laughs> so <laughs> if you write us and you tell us, you might find yourself, yeah, exactly. On, on the podcast. That's Man. right. Well, and I think in all of this, I me cut you off. Oh, no, you're good. Well, I think in all of this, too, my hope is that we sort of learn to strike a, a prophetic posture, right? a posture that is free enough from power and tribe and perspective and ideology and platform to actually speak the truth uh, on behalf of Christ uh, in whatever circles we're in. And especially when we have opportunity to speak truth to uh, power or truth to folks who are uh, shaping the cultures that we're in, whether it's our local church culture or our, our city's political culture, whatever, 
Um, we we want to have a a I think a godly kind of independence from allegiances to the world, um, and and a, a deep allegiance to Christ and to God's word, so that we're freed up then to speak the truth that needs to be spoken uh, redemptively uh, into the circles that we're in. Um, so let's dig into that word prophetic for a moment. Then, what does it mean to be prophetic? Well, <laughs> Ben, ben <laughs> pointed at the beating. <laughs> Biblically, um, you know, prophecy would, would have two aspects, right? I think we're here only talking about one. One would be foretelling, right? Predicting sure. the future. The other would be forthtelling, right? Mm. To sort of tell the truth, right? Um, and so to be prophetic in, in a very basic sense is to tell the truth of God, both to the people of God and to the people who are not God's people, right? Um, and uh, to deliver that message um, with, with, uh, without partiality and uh, equi- you know, without sort of equivocating um, so that the voice of God is heard in, in conversation. And so um, th- that's, what we, that's what we wanna be. We wanna be truth people who herald that truth uh, in front of others, sometimes inside the household of God, sometimes outside the household of God, so that the voice of God is heard uh, in in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're we're assuming that to a large degree, our audience is, is going to be inside the church. But as we go out into spheres where we're you know working or seeing or communicating with with people who are outside of the church, like we we want to say like turn to God in the sense of these behaviors or these things that we see in public policy that that strike us as unjust, um, evil, sinful. Mm. Turn from those, place your faith in Christ, and try to act as he would have you act. So mm. there's a sense in which us talking about what's just or what's going to lead to the good life is part of, this maybe is overstating, but is is part of our witness in the sense of we need to be consistent, right? We need to say we want justice both inside the church, but we want those of you outside of it to turn from your unjust ways repent to God, and then pursue justice in the public sphere. So I think that there is part of that as well. And and I think to the degree to which Christians are not kind of pointing to things that are unjust and calling it so, um, it's a bad result for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, part of what I love about what Ben just said is it, it reminds me that when we're talking about being prophetic, we are not in the first instance talking about being tactical, or talking about um, a particular political position. Mm-hmm. What we're aiming at is at the heart. We're aiming at the heart. Right. Uh, we're aiming at getting truth in the heart, seeing folks respond to that truth. Uh, and out of that comes any, any host of considerations that are tactical or substantive. Um, but if we, if we sort of conceptualize this as first being spiritual in origin, and and aim, um, and then sort of working out from there. Then we again, we're not we're not trying to deliver sound bites. We're not trying to sort of say clever things for the sake of clever things, or uh, simply trying to get people simply trying to get people to behave this or that way on a policy. That's right. We're, we're trying to get people to think and feel and to be shaped by God's truth, uh, in order then to maybe respond in a myriad of ways. Um, again, tactically and substantively. Mm. Um, so I think if we're going to be prophetic in the best sense, 
we're, we're Nathan confronting David, mm-hmm. you know, and um, helping David see that he's the man, right? That, that his heart was not right, mm-hmm. um, that he had sinned before God and that he needed to respond in an appropriate way or uh, where any of, imagine any of the Old Testament prophets coming to the people of God and saying, um, yeah, this is, this is messed up. Mm-hmm. You know, where's your heart for God? Mm-hmm. Where's your heart for God's people? Or, or we have in mind the Lord in chapters two and three of Revelation addressing this church, mm-hmm. saying you're doing this well, but I have this against you. Um, bring forth repentance or what have you. So I think we need to be, as we think about being prophetic, we need to think about uh, aiming at the spiritual center uh, of, of mankind um, and seeing redemptive change grow out of that. Nick, how would you answer that question? I think if I, if I, the only thing I'd add to what you all have already said is to say to be prophetic is to be um, independent and independently rooted in what scripture would tell us, mm. right? Um, and, and that's not always straightforward. You Again, our format of our episode, right? Take the issue, try to break down why it's an issue and why people disagree with it, and then think about the principles of Scripture and apply them. And then from there, say, all right, well, therefore, tactically, what policy should I propose or what person or party seems to be good on this issue? That's the last step, mm-hmm. right? So you sort of go in that order, um, but it's hard to go in that order. Right. Like, I think it's hard for all of us to go in that order. And so, so, so this is why the word independent came up to me. Nathan was independent yeah. of David. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, mm-hmm. uh, despite the fact that David, I'm sure, had a lot of power over his kind of day to day life, had the power over his, you know, like the power of the sword over him mm-hmm. as a kind of citizen of his kingdom. Um, nonetheless, right. Reasoned independently. What does scripture say is the right thing here? Mm-hmm. And can I deliver that message in this case to the king? Amen. Right? Like, Amen. and I think I think that the challenge for every Christian is to do that in the way that we speak publicly, in the way that we vote, and in the way that we advocate. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's what I think it yeah. means. Mm-hmm. This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Grieve, Breathe, Receive. Finding a Faith Strong Enough to Hold Us. Written and narrated by Pastor Steve Carter. Grieve, Breathe, Receive. Those three words became a profound mantra for Steve Carter during a season of deep healing, the kind that comes after painful trauma. Grieve, Breathe, Receive is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Visit thomasnelson.com audio to learn more. So the question uh, we were asked by an audience member who will be remain nameless um, at risk of joining the podcast because <laughs> it's happened before. What is uniquely Christian of being prophetic about what we're trying to do here? So my uh, I, I would say on the one hand, if you're thinking about it vis-a-vis sort of uh, like because if you think about vis-a-vis sort of other systems of belief or worldviews, they might also say, well, yeah, you got to start from the first principles of whatever that worldview is, and then go from there to, um, you know, the the sort of public policy implications. Uh, in one sense, that mechanism is the same. That's not what's unique about it, right? It's the principles you're reasoning from, right? Which we which we understand to be the true principles, the right principles, right? Um, 
and to be able to say, um, you know, like, and then think about the ethics that come up again and again and again when we talk about this, right? Ethics of redemption, ethics of mercy, ethics of justice, right? Which are, um, you know, in that combination, unique to the Christian worldview, and therefore have a unique application uh, when we think about sort of the implications for public policy. The only other thing I'd add to that would be to say that though we believe, right, that our worldview is correct and true, I believe that prophetic witness also leaves a space for pluralism. We don't assume we're talking just other Christians. We don't assume that all the others we talk to will become Christians, but we nonetheless believe we sort of have a duty to speak out of our worldview and into the lives of others. Yeah, I, I would say what makes it distinctly Christian is Christ, all right, um, and and his and the Scripture, a, a, a particularly a, a Christ-centered reading of the Scripture. So this, what we would be advocating for, would not simply grow up out of principle, also would grow up out of a person, uh, and and that person's demonstration, embodiment uh, of the principles, um, and so there's a. You know, sometimes as preachers talk about whether or not a sermon had enough Christ in it that it mm. gets you kicked out of a Jewish synagogue, right? <laughs> um, that there should be enough explicit reasoning um, from the person and work of Christ and the scriptures in what we advocate for that it risks getting us kicked out of the public square precisely because of the perception of being intolerant and things of that sort. So I agree with you about the mm. pluralism. But what we ought to be risking in being distinctively Christian mm. is the perception that we do not practice a healthy pluralism because we're insisting on um, the centrality of Christ, the centrality of, of the gospel. We're insisting on um, the truth claims uh, of Christ and Christianity. We're doing that with hopefully humility mm. and, and love and charity and, and not with coercion which would be, you know, a market difference from Christianity and any other, mm. you know, uh, fundamentalist religious religious expression anyway. Uh, so we're not sort of saying the goal of Christianity, as is the case in Islam, is to bring everyone into, um, you know, the house of Islam, to bring everyone beneath Sharia, beneath rule, whether or not they are Muslims or not, right? That's not the Christian goal. Our, our goal is actually to see something happened that we can't make happen. Mm. see people born again through faith in Christ, raised from death to life through the gospel and then living this new life to become new creations. Um, so I would add that to what you're saying in terms of what, what, what makes this distinctively Christian. Well, and I think part of, a part of that, what your, your sort of amendment to what I said was definitional, right? Mm -hmm, like where mm -hmm. I see pluralism as occupying that space between conquering religion and total relativism. Yeah. Right, I hold yeah. my belief. I believe yeah. it's the true belief. Yeah. I also know that I'm in a world with those who have other mm -hmm. sincerely held beliefs, and I mm -hmm. act accordingly, yeah. <laughs> as it were. And I do, in, but I do insist, as you say, that my belief is the right belief. Yeah. So you, you I, I wanted to add that addendum because there be people who hear the word pluralism, yeah, and what they what they're hearing hearing is subjectivism or relativism, uh, rel and relativism, yeah, and that's sure. not at all. And that's not what I meant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. That's good. I don't know. I don't have an I don't have an answer. Uh, Jesus is always the answer. Right, right. I know. See, so no, the media follows my answer with, you know, oh, well, I think it's Christ. <laughs> well, shoot, I oh, guess. Yeah, what can I say? Um, no, I don't, have a, I don't have an answer in the line lines that you guys have. Other, the, What I will say, and it's it's more, 
anecdotal about what is uniquely Christian about what we're doing. I think that I want to say that the power of Christ through his Holy Spirit in me has produced change in my heart that has produces change in my viewpoints on policy. So I, maybe that's not uniquely. No, I think, yeah, I think changing my heart to care about African-American brothers and sisters in a way that I care about them as if they were my own flesh, because we are through Christ's sacrifice for us. Mm. He brings us together. That has changed me in terms of caring about criminal justice, which we just talked about. You know, that has changed my affections for people who don't look like me. Um, And so I think Christianity is unique in the sense of it changes hearts, not, you know, pushing people into moralism or, you know, you can convert to Islam and, and, you know, you're going to change your political views because you're, you're thinking Sharia is the way to go. But that's more about external behavior modification. What's changed in me is, is whom I love and how I love and how wide that love goes. Amen. And I think that is uniquely mm. due to Christ and his work in me. Because, you know, bef- if I didn't have that, what do I care what somebody who doesn't look like me is affected by policy? Yeah. Why do I care? I only care about what's good for me and maybe my immediate kin network. That's mm. it. Yeah. And so there's a sense in which there should be a selflessness in our Christian prophetic witness on politics that makes it distinct. And that is only because of what Christ has done in our hearts. We liberals call that widening the circle of concern, Ben. I don't know what that means. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, nor, nor should you. Yeah. Nor should you. That's, you get your that's fancy not Christian learning. speak. That's not Christian speak. You take your fancy learning and you get it out of here. <laughs> I'm, so, so I'm just saying we liberals. I'm not sure it's learned, but it's, it's certainly. Um, so, so I know we as we as we come towards a conclusion here. I I, I want to see. I want to touch on that question of witness. Yeah. And I want to say first of all, how is our wit? What, what are the errors we're prone to, vis-a-vis versus being prophetic? that we need to guard against, that we'd exhort ourselves and others to guard against? I'll take, you know, this is kind of counterintuitive given the nature of this podcast. I tend towards man-pleasing. Like, I don't want to, if I know somebody in my workplace uh, has a different sexual ethic, different um, view on, you know, name name your issue, abortion, whatever. I tend to, ooh, I don't want to go there. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to, I want to avoid those topics, even though I work in a very political workplace. So these things are topics of discussion all the time, and I will actively avoid them because I'd rather, I'd rather not offend. Um, and so fear of man for me is a very real thing. Um, so that's, that's mine, and I don't, I don't know that that's helpful. I mean, it is a it is a way to pivot into the gospel, right? Like, so why do you think um, there should be equity for minorities under the law? Because I believe mm. all men are created in the image of God and inherently valuable because you immediately get to pivot to Christian doctrine and then from there to the cross, right? Mm. So I'm avoiding some of those opportunities and conversations because I don't sure. want to offend. Um, yep. So that's my personal one. And I, yeah. I have to think there's other people who, who suffer, who think the same way. Dangers in our witness, um, nationalism, mm. Christian and ethnic, sure. um, power, being power hungry, yeah. engaging this as an exercise in grasping for power, 
um, moralism, right, in in substitute of the gospel, um, and in substitute of grace, actually. So a kind of legalism uh, would be a would be a temptation mm-hmm. and a problem. Certainly, when it comes to being prophetic, I agree with I agree with Ben. Uh, fear of man. Um, there, there are all kinds of heart issues that get in the way of striking the right balance, the right tone. Um, another challenge, really, is is just our finitude. We're finite creatures, um, and I think we're really tempted to sort of enter into the political sphere as if we are we share the incommunicable attributes of God. You know, we're omnipotent, you know, omniscient and omnipresent. No, I think there's. Uh, a humility that ought to be cultivated that comes from the recognition that we are creatures and finite and we don't know everything. We don't see everything. Um, and so we cease to be kind of prophetic, truly prophetic, mm. to the extent that we start to usurp what only God knows and can do and to speak mm. with that kind of certainty uh, as if we are him. And, right. is a, and so there, 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 there's risk to several forms of idolatry that that compromises our, our witness as well. Uh, last one, I guess, is just just tribalism and partisanship. Um, I think if we're going to be prophetic, we we just cannot be defined by political party um, or by ideological tribe. Uh, it's back to that independence you were talking about maintaining. Mm-hmm. Um, we we find ways to surrender that very easily. And to sort of accept as proxies, you know, all these things that actually are worldly um, rather than biblical. Um, and that's a problem. I, 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 think, I think we're in an era where it is it's just dire, it's just urgently important that pastors and folks who are discipling others really do press into this, this arena, this aspect of our discipleship. I mean, we, we are... We are a compromised church right now, um, and and we are lost at sea, because for a couple of generations, the prevailing wisdom has been: we don't talk about politics, we don't do politics, for the sake of unity or some other thing. And I don't doubt the the sincerity of motive there, but I think what that has meant is we are de-skilled, we are not properly skilled to be prophetic, uh, and to think carefully and biblically in this huge area of our life and society. And, and, and when that happens, all that's left for you to do if you're de-skilled is to join a team. That's right. I think. That's right. And, and, and to, almost as a way of validating your own choice, mm-hmm. to dress up in biblical language the choice you've made. That's right. So that's why you get absurdities right. like certain Christian figures saying, opposing this president, and really mm-hmm. any president, it would, you could apply to anyone, opposing this president is a demonic mm-hmm. thing to do. Um, yeah. It'd be hard to make that argument about any leader, mm-hmm. actually, no matter how great they were, mm-hmm. um, let alone this one. And I think that, but but I think that's where that goes. Mm-hmm. You're de-skilled, you are interested in politics, so you join a team, you join the team your peers are telling you that you should join, mm-hmm. And this is what you're left with, is you mm-hmm. then just sort of make the connections yourself, and you make them in that cruder way. Yeah. 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 And I think that that's a real risk. Um, yeah, that's that's one side. I, I totally agree with that. The, uh, the flip side of that coin is, is like, compromise. 
right? Like, mm-hmm. so maybe maybe not the flip side of that coin, but it's like one is I pick a team where the winners, you know, if you oppose my guy, you oppose God. The other side is I'm going to join this team and its principles and leave Christ behind entirely, right? In the sense of like, I'm going to compromise on any sort of whatever, whatever value you want to pick. I'm just going to let those go. And I'm now my value system is set by this team. I guess that's essentially the same thing you're saying, but instead of it being triumphal Christianity, yeah, you're it's an kinda... abdication. Yeah. Yeah. Of like, Oh, I'm not even, I'm going to leave Christianity behind for sure. You know, because I want to win. Yeah. Right. A progressive will be tempted to that right. in the current environment. Right. right. Because they'll say, well, I'm just going to have to decide to be pro-choice. Yeah. And, in doing so, I'm going to have to convince myself yep. that um, what Christ said about that is wrong, and maybe what Christ said about lots of things is wrong, and maybe therefore I just don't believe this stuff anymore. Right? Mm-hmm. right? Like right. that's that's kind of the that's the other pattern. Yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah, for sure. So as we wrap up, I guess my last question is: we sort of look ahead to a future season, as we look ahead to Just Gospel, which is just around the corner. Mm. Um, you know, what would you what would your hope and prayer be for what this show? this podcast continues to do what we do and what the sort of impact is on those who, who would, who would deign to listen to us. I hope the podcast would make it all right. Even normal, even expected to have conversations like this mm-hmm. in the places where they really matter in our family relationships, uh, at our dinner table, in our local churches, and enable and to model, if God would bless it, an approach to having these conversations without this foreboding sense of win, lose, impending division, disunity, uh, threats to fellowship and love and affection, but to have these conversations in ways that engender trust and openness and learning and iron sharpening iron. Um, and, and that that would actually, even if, if it's like a, a nano percent, right, mm. if that, that would actually uh, engender a, a deeper shared sense of identity as a Christian people um, and a deeper shared sense of um, belonging to the same fabric, you know, mm. um, and, and that the, the sort of future of discourse in the country is, is one that belongs to us collectively and one that impacts us collectively, even if it impacts us not directly, but through my brother or sister and the things that impinge upon their life, that we would share in those things uh, in a distinctively Christian way and that that would, that would flavor and inform how we live out this part of our discipleship. I mean, selfishly, I just enjoy hanging out with you guys. So that's one. Like, straight up, like hey, I do this podcast because I can, I like hanging out with you guys. Um, I, I mean, so why'd you switch churches, Ben? <laughs> now I got to edit this out. More work for me. We're leaving it in. Um, I think, yeah. I mean, having the being able to have the conversation is a big one. Um, damn, that my train of thought is gone. I'm sorry, bro. No, it's totally fine. Yeah, I mean, I think we are going to give an account for every word said, for every action taken, every vote cast. Um, and so if we're going to give an account of ourselves to God, we should be thinking about all these things as God would have us think about those. Now, we're all going to work that out with fear and trembling. Um, our consciences are going to differ, and that's okay. 
Um, but instead of thinking of there's the public private domain barrier bridge that will never be crossed, you will, we will give an account to God for this. And so we ought to be thinking, what would God have us do with that? What would he have us do with this? What, how would he have us speak? Um, and and the if the answer is well we're just not going to talk about it well then then what are you saying about what what are you going to say on that last day I didn't want to talk about this stuff mm. Mm. I don't think that's a great answer yeah mm. so it's 2020 now it's an election year the dialogue's about to be tested mm-hmm. within the church and between the church etc so my prayer would be that in some small way um, our podcast um, improves that dialogue that those who listen to it are uh, enriched in how they think about approaching this season which can be a tough season um i was thinking about something you said to be about sort of how we have the conversation how we learn to have the conversation and how we learn to trust god more with political outcomes hopefully and therefore we can have the conversation because the sort of the other error here is that all politics is existential mm right the outcome of the next election is the most important outcome mm-hmm. of your life this is the most important election ever mm-hmm. they always say until the next one and <laughs> and we've gotten to the point where you can if you're not careful be just fearful about yeah. that election or whatever it is not going your way which is to betray a lack of trust in god's guiding hand mm-hmm. over what is happening in this country and the world and so i hope that by being a like being able to have conversations like these is, I think, an act of trust because you lower the stakes. Uh, that's good. Right? You yeah. say, yeah, because I, I can I can disagree with you and we can have the conversation and it's not existential. And if that's, your side wins, God's got me. That's right. That's okay. And uh, and everyone, right? Yeah. So so I I think that would be that would be my I think uh sort of prayer going and go, going into these next um several months, right? That prophetic politics would be um a thing that more people adopt and that more more Christians listening would sort of say, okay, good, that made me think. I didn't necessarily come down on the same side as these these three guys or any of or one of them or whatever, um, but it helped me think uh, better about how I got to where I got to. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Pastor T, you want to go ahead and pray us out, and uh, we will see you all in the next TBD. Season. That's right. <laughs> Father in heaven, we thank you that we are children known by your name. We thank you, O Lord, that you have called us to represent you in the world. We pray, O Lord, that you give us grace to do so prophetically. You give us grace to do so in a distinctively Christian way. That your honor would be our highest aim. And that the blessing of people made in your image, expression of love for you and love for neighbor, um, would be our guiding principle. And so help us, O Lord, to be the people that you have called us to be and to bear the fruit, O Lord, that you have called us to bear uh, for the glory of your name and the blessing of all. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 This episode was brought to you in part by the Lord of Spirits podcast. Many Christians yearn to break free of the influence of secular materialism and to understand the union of the seen and unseen worlds as made by God. What is the spiritual world like? Tune in wherever you get your podcasts.